from one AB to the next AB covering the Michigan Wolverines for the Wolverines on three. Our good friend Anthony Broom. Find him on Twitter at Anthony T. Broom. AB, my man, good morning to you. How's life? How are things, partner? Uh, it's good. Uh, we're back in the swing of things. Obviously, eight weeks into the football season. I'm in the car now heading out to Michigan basketball media day. So uh, times the, the times are here. We're, we're almost double dipping. Almost. We are. We are so close. In fact, I think we have a maize and blue scrimmage on Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. We do. We do. Nice little uh, nice little appetizer ahead of the season starting. So, yeah, excited for that. Really intrigued by what, what's going to happen with those guys this year. But, of course, uh, I'll be on my way back from East Lansing and just have to make a little detour in Ann Arbor to check that out. Yeah, that was just put on my radar yesterday uh, about that, and I'm I'm in a uh, logistical uh, disaster, a cluster bleep, if you will, on uh, a wedding a wedding Saturday night. And get this, the bride is a Michigan State alum, and scheduled her wedding. It's like a five o'clock ceremony, and then I tell everybody like when the, the news was first released, it's a night game. Then all of a sudden, like two weeks ago, like oh my god, it's a night game. I'm like, yeah, of course. I, I told you this, people. You scheduled a fall wedding on Michigan Michigan State Day, and you're an alum. What kind of alum are you? But I guess it's priorities, right? That wouldn't happen in a Michigan household. I can tell you that much. Uh, Anthony, are you? Do you feel like this this game this week is has is lacking a little bit of juice? Uh, it lacks the storylines that it typically has, uh, but I mean, juice—it's a trophy game. I, mean, I think any time, you know, uh, you know, if last year had just been what it was on the field, with you know, I think it was a twenty-nine-seven Michigan win, and you know, Michigan State trending downward continues to trend downward, and then the Mel Tucker stuff this year, like I think people would be a little—I mean, I guess there'd be a little less juice. But I, I know that the average fan is probably really interested in seeing Michigan not only go to East Lansing and win this football game, but maybe run up the score after what happened in that tunnel last year. So uh, for me, I, I there's always going to be juice there, um, you know, but it, it's not, it's not super mutual this year. I don't know that a lot of Michigan state fans are excited for it because really all that's on the line this week is, is pride and maybe salvaging what has been, you know, pretty, pretty terrible season on and off the field. And for Michigan fans, um, you know, it's this is one they just want to kind of get through. I don't know that a lot of Michigan fans really soak up this week and enjoy it for what it is. Um, you know, we know what it can be like on social media and whatnot, but with the two teams heading in opposite directions, I yeah, I, there's there's not as much juice for this one for sure. Um, I, maybe a little more so because it's a night game and, and sounds like Michigan fans are planning on trying to maze that place out like Lions fans have in these stadiums the last you know month or so. But, yeah, that's that's kind of where the only juice is in this one, honestly. You know, and there was a – when it was announced that it was a night game, there was another uh, host who had come out in the afternoons and said, you know, hide the women and children, don't go – I mean, just – like like it was going to be some sort of battle royale like the fans were going to get in in their respective phalanxes and go head to head toe to toes spears and shields in hand and there was going to be a battle royale outside of Spartan Stadium. I didn't buy into it then. I definitely don't buy into it now. And I was wondering about that to see, you know, what your thoughts were as far as Michigan fans and and how they will travel because it, 
for me, part of it was like fear mongering, like don't come. And it's like, stop it. It's a football game. Like, relax. If you're going to act like that, you don't belong uh, as a member of this society. And two, like, don't try to discourage Michigan fans from picking up a ticket and going on the road uh, to see their team. They're going to travel regardless if it's Nebraska. That is an incredibly long drive or Minnesota. Or if they're going to you know, drive 90 minutes west, it's really not that big a deal. I think Michigan will have a pretty, pretty sizable uh, influence and crowd there on the road. I think so too, and I think um, no. Again, this isn't these two fan bases. It's not the Jets and the Sharks. Like, there's not going to be a rumble in the concourse at Spartan Stadium. No one's, you know, pulling out batteries or anything like that. Like, the people that operate in that sort of sphere are either it's either hot takery or it's people on social media who simply need to touch grass and, and go get some fresh air. Right? I think by and large the rivalry is. You know, it's your next door neighbor. It's the guy that lives across the street. It's your cousin. It's your, um, in some cases, a significant other. Like it's to me, this rivalry should be fun because it's you know the person next door, your best friend, whatever. But uh, I guess the only thing I would say about you know anyone that says all oh, Michigan fans don't come, if you don't want them to come, buy a ticket and come yourself. And you know the secondary market entitles you to that. Uh, you know. The, the dollar will get you a long way if you, you pony up enough for it to go to this game. So um, I do think that, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be like 50-50 or anything like that. I would still probably expect this to be like 70-30 Spartan fans, maybe 65-35, but Michigan's going to travel for this. And, you know, anytime that Michigan fans know that they have a chance to go kind of watch their team maybe twist the knife a little bit, uh, they, they typically show out. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. As if if I wasn't the most fair and honest radio host in America, uh, Anthony, and if I was just a neutral party here for this game, I would probably go about my business any other way. I I want to see I want to see fifty two to seven. I'm not going to lie. Like I want to see a blowout of epic proportions that you just can't come back from. Is that wrong? I don't think so. I think in any rivalry game, that's that's. That's the goal. Like you want, you come into the game and you want to kick the other team's ass. Like, period. Doesn't matter if they're two and four. Doesn't matter if they're four and two, six and zero, oh, seven and zero, oh, zero oh and six. Like, that's the objective. I mean, every play, you say every play is designed to score a touchdown. Every, um, you know, every defensive play is designed to not allow a single yard. And you want to stack as many of those as you can and um, walk out of there with a lopsided victory. So. Um, yeah, I mean, the way that this Michigan team has handled its business, I mean, I, I think it's more than capable of that. And, you know, I know they say throw the records out, you know, in a rivalry and things like that. But uh, And Michigan has historically had trouble covering the spread uh, in this game. I think they're 2-12-1 over the last 15. But, um, you know, some of those games date back to the, the, the Rich Rod and the Hoke eras. But at the same time, when you watch what this Michigan team has done, you know, after giving up, an early score against Rutgers, giving up an early score against Indiana, and then the two road games. They've actually played their two best games of the year on the road. And I think there's something about playing away from Ann Arbor, playing under the lights that kind of, with this current group, kicks them into that next gear. And I think they'll be ready to go on Saturday. And I'm at, I think the, the primary objective is to kind of get up big and get your starters out. But if there's a chance to throw that double pass or that uh, that trick play, that flea flicker late in the game, you you best believe that Jim Harbaugh is going to take it. 
Now, this team, Anthony, I mean, they started off 3-0 in the non-conference, and I, I didn't see anything there. It felt real monotonous. It felt like uh, just the, the, the scene there at the big house was just kind of blah. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of energy. wasn't a whole lot of that, uh, that juice, that term I like to use. Then they play Rutgers. Okay, it's a conference game, and it's more of the same. It's more 31-7, to, to seven, right? And then they go on the road to Nebraska. They clean out Nebraska. They go on the road to Minnesota. Trophy game, little brown jug. They And I thought they looked great against Minnesota. And then I finally started to buy in that this might be the second best team in the country. And then they struggle in the first quarter against Indiana. And now I'm all hesitant again, even though they absolutely dominated scoring on their next eight possessions. They added seven touchdowns and a field goal after a couple of punts to start that game. Where are you at as far as like trying to gauge how good this team actually is, considering we have not seen them against a quality opponent yet? Yes, yeah, so much of it is is about how it looks right now, right? Because they don't – I mean, Jim Harbaugh doesn't create the schedule. These Michigan players don't create the schedule. You can only play who's in front of you. And it's not ne- – it, no, it's not necessarily their fault that the Big Ten sucks right now. Like, Nebraska historically should be better. Michigan State historically should be better. Um, you know, Indiana's given them more of a fight in the past, but they've shredded down. Uh, Rutgers has probably given them, obviously maybe given them the Big Ten to this point. So for me, it's like it's all, you got to look to the margins. you got to look to how they're handling their business. I mean, I know that score was what it was on Saturday against Indiana, but this team that got outgained, I think, 141-17 to 17 in the first quarter was easily maybe the worst quarter of football they've played in the last three years under Jim Harbaugh. And they, when your counterpunch is 52 unanswered points, I think that says a lot about you. I mean, that is adversity. That is, you know, there, there are two ways to go when you go down early and, you know, a team is quite frankly kind of dominating you. There shouldn't be. You can tighten up and you can press and you can try to get it all back or you just take it one snap at a time, one stop at a time, one play at a time. Uh, the, cal- the cool, calm demeanor that I think this team has displayed, even when they're up big. I mean, you don't see them, you know, they don't necessarily call off the dogs until the starters come out of the game. So for me, it's a lot like how it looks. Uh, we know that this is essentially a two-game season, maybe a three-game season. If you want to throw Maryland in there, but Maryland, I think, over the last few weeks, they'll show you what they really are. Um, yeah, it's going to come down to November. But in the meantime, Anything but complete and total domination is, is I won't say unacceptable, because you want to just get the winning and get out of there healthy and all that, but this is what it's supposed to look like when you're playing teams that you just outclass, outgun in every sense of the word, and um, so far I think they should accomplish what do you think the real uh, the, the issue is with Donovan Edwards? Like, why w- why have we not seen that that thunder and lightning sort of one two punch that we all kind of expected going into this season? I see a guy pressing right now, or at least heading into last week or the last few weeks. Um, you know, he is very much a home run hitter, but something that he's needed to get better at is take the single, take the double, take the. Take the four-yard run. Take the eight-yard run. Not everything needs to be, you know, 75-yard touchdown run, 85-yard touchdown run like we saw at Ohio State, though. If that's what you're consistently ripping off, I mean, then, yes, absolutely do that. But um, I see a guy that, one, I think is maybe a little bit in his own head. Uh, Two, he's not particularly seeing the field very well. I mean, he's missed some cutback lanes. 
He's not getting upfield fast enough. You know, we, something that makes Blake Long so good. He's got like he's got this compass about him where no matter how he runs, no matter where he runs, he's going to dart forward and get every possible yard he can possibly get. Where Donovan Edwards, I think when when he gets stood up, he kind of just goes down. He doesn't keep those legs moving. And I think some of that's on him. I think we need to see him run a little bit harder, uh, a lot harder, quite frankly. And I think we saw him do that at times at Nebraska. We saw him do it at times against Minnesota. Um, but I also think this coaching staff needs to, you know, he's not, you don't have Blake Corum A and Blake Corum B. You have two very different backs there. And I think that they haven't done enough to get him out in space, get him to the edges, get him with the ball in his hands, you know, on a, on a tunnel screen or something like that. Um, I, I think that's something that needs to be explored a little bit more. But I've also said this all year, too, is that the longer we go without, you know, consistent Donovan Edwards production, I think the more violent the return to the law of averages will be. I really do think he's going to be a key player for them down the stretch in those games against Penn State, Maryland, Ohio State. And, uh, you know, it's been complicated a bit by the fact that Coel Mullings has come on. Now he's dealing with a wrist injury. I, I I tend to think we probably don't see Coel Mullings this week. They'll let him use this week in the bye to get that hand healthy. But um, there's an opportunity there like to reestablish yourself because behind Blake Gorham, you have like a freshman in Ben Hall who's run pretty hard as well. So um, I, won't, I won't say time's running out. I mean, if Michigan has designs on playing 15 football games this year, You've only played seven of them. There's a lot of time to get going. But, uh, yeah, Donovan Edwards, uh, it has been disappointing coming off an offseason where you hear him talk about redefining the running back position and, and all that type of stuff. It's Just play football, man. Like, it's in there. We know it's in there, and that's maybe the most frustrating thing. Like the old John Beeline era t-shirts, do more, say less, right? I'm a big fan of that. Do more and and say less. When you look at uh, what J.J. McCarthy has been able to do this year, he does it uh, a majority of his work in limited time, right? I mean, the guy, like, let's play a, let's play a full four-quarter football game and see what can happen. We obviously know this is a run-first team, so statistically, the numbers aren't going to be there, but he, he has been outside of the Bowling Green game where he forced some things just because I think he learned from that. Um, you know, he's dealt some, some footballs that have been in some really, really tight windows, and it's like, oh, man, you're making me nervous, but they turn out to be completions, which is awesome. When you look at J.J. McCarthy and Jim Harbaugh's comments about, you know, he's going to be the stand of what a Michigan quarterback is going to be. How did you receive that? What did you make of it? I think he's on his way. I really do. Um, what we're seeing right now is a guy who is in complete and total command of this Michigan offense. And, you know, does he put up the video game numbers that, you know, the Michael Penixes of the world, the Bo Nixes of the world are pretty up? No, but they're not, they're not operating the same type of system. I think Michigan thrives on you know, being that boa constrictor taking that death by a thousand paper cuts approach and you want to get some more explosives in there but you know I mean you walk out of like a game like Saturday uh, you know he's I believe a 14 for 17 or something like that ball barely touches the ground when it does uh, like the first I think it's his first uh, half of the game he just kind of fires a fastball on Colston Loveland that Loveland wasn't ready for um, but he's been right on the money and I, I, the, the most impressive thing about what we're seeing out of him right now is when things break down is when we've seen him at his best, when they have to do that scramble drill and he's, you know, being the maestro, pointing guys here, get a block there, pick up this guy here. Uh, you know, he's been so good in that area with 
from it. Wilson, obviously, close to Loveland on Saturday, had that long. I think that's the big thing. So, uh, for me, I think JJ is, you know, you, you continue to win these win these big games, show up in these big games coming up. I, I think he's going to wind up being in that conversation uh, for the Heisman Trophy. And I think he's already kind of putting himself in that conversation for where he stands among Michigan quarterbacks. He is Anthony Broom. You can find him on Twitter at Anthony T. Broom. Find his work, the Wolverines on three. Read his work, follow him on Twitter, click all the links, do all of that. A.B., my friend, uh, safe travels there to the beautiful Chrysler Center uh, for Michigan Media Day. And, hey, look, it's all about Doug McBuckets and Terrace Reed, the two uh, sensational sophomores. They're going to have to be big this year if Michigan's going to contend. I appreciate your time, my friend. Always great catching up with you, partner. Of course. Thanks for having me. There he goes. And uh, Anthony T. Broom on uh, Twitter.